Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Live on SENSA, welcome to Eagles Radio. For Norma's homes, build a better life, and My Money House, get a financial health check. Visit mymoneyhouse.com.au today. Tuesday night, another Eagles Radio. Welcome, my name's Paul Bonza, and with the bye coming up this week, what we thought we'd do is put together the best of Eagles Radio. We've got Joe Sinor coming up on the show, Chris Hall as well. But first, the man, the legend, the Hall of Famer. Let's hear from Malcolm Blight. We were chatting just before we started, and I could introduce this man and everything he's done, but then we'd have no le- time left to talk to the great man, Malcolm Blight. Welcome to Eagles Radio, Blight. Paul, Jimmy, hi, guys. No, look, talk about it. I, 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 I can listen if you want. I mean, I'm sure people would love to listen. Well, the main thing is, oh, it's 152 games. I didn't realise you played that many games for Woodville. So 152 games and 342 goals, and 178 games for North Melbourne, 440 goals. You played seven state games for South Australia. You also played seven games for Victoria, which we'll speak about mm. later as well. But you grew up in that port area. Were you a support, supporter as a... As no, a no, I actually drew up uh, four streets from... Uh, Davis Street, just uh, four oh, right. streets from Woodville Oval. I lived so, in Davis Street as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, Woodville South, yeah. So that was my haunt and my likeness. But behind us, um, who used to babysit us, I had uh, four, with four siblings... Um, uh, was Mr. And Mrs. Davis now? Uh, Mr. And Mrs. Davis, Mr. And Mrs. Johns, Rexy Johns yes. was a superstar at Port Adelaide at the time, and I was very, very young. And also Keith, his brother, played for Central District, so they were over the fence from us. So you, you started taking an interest from very, very young age uh, with Port Adelaide because of the, the Johns family. And Woodville were in the amateur league then, virtually. Yeah. Yes. And obviously, Bidey, you started your career at Woodville. Tell us some of your, your earlier memories of your times at Woodville. I think what actually happened was um, at uh, 1959, a lot of years ago now, <laughs> most Woodville people remember this and, and Central Districts people, was that the Sandford were 18 competition for 100 years, virtually nearly 100 years. And uh, so they added Central Districts from the north and they, they put Woodville amongst the western suburbs. So... That came in 1959, so they became in the seconds competition until 1963. Six, in 1964, they played in the league. So that five-year period there, I started to walk down to Woodville Oval and we could always get in the ground. You didn't have to pay. Found a ways in and out of the ground easily, so all my mates. So we'd go and watch Woodville play in the seconds and they'd be playing, at, you know, Port Adelaide in the seconds or Nord in the seconds and so on, so... So they started to become the blokes that I wanted and the hero uh, after playing locally at the Beverly Oval or the Woodville South Oval for a team called Kilkenny Cats, which started off, which became Woodville South, so which is now a competition in the Adelaide Footy League. So yes. it was a real just, you know, anything within four streets. I knew every letterbox. I knew every, every person living in the area. And... On that, was the Woodpeckers back then? Yes, it was. Yeah, and then what did it change to? The Warriors. The Warriors. When okay. I came back as coach after playing in uh, for North Melbourne, uh, actually the board had already decided that prior to me getting there. 
So we took on the Warriors just to do something slightly different. Was that, I was, I was going to ask you whether you had any influence on that because he came back as a player coach and we're jumping ahead a little bit yeah. here. But uh, so that was already decided before he came Yeah, back. it was actually. And they, they asked me what I thought of it. And I thought, well, look, I love the woodpeckers. It was great. But, you know, the, someone said, well, they're not the most vicious little thing going around. So <laughs> I said, hang on, hang on. They can, you know, they can chop down a tree. But anyhow, uh, the Warriors was a brand new look and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and, and it was a bit more space age and a bit more for the young kids at the time. So, you know, we all, sort of, we all bought into it. Was it tough in the early years of Woodville? New team coming into the sample yeah. competition up against the powerhouses of Portland, Elg, Nord, Sturt, etc. Uh, was it tough to start off as a, as a new club? Look, I think it was. I mean, history says now that you understand that it's going to happen. Um, you know, I, 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 just, I don't mean this in the, you know, in the wrong way, but, you know, the Ports and the Nords, they were hardened criminals mm. in, in that competition in, in real sense. So... And a lot of the people um, that the administration of Woodville, you know, were just hard workers. They were doers and they were really good people, but they hadn't had the experience that, that other clubs had. So it took a while, and I think that was always the case anyhow. But you know what? When you're out there playing, I never, ever thought that. I ever thought all I've wanted to do is get a kick and hopefully you won. When you won, the beer tasted better. That was, <laughs> that was the only thing I ever worked out. I can definitely attest to that. The beers definitely do taste better, Whitey, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Port and the Nord, and I mean, particularly coming back, you know, my time at, at Port Adelaide and Melbourne and back into the Sample, you appreciate the history of the Sample a lot more. And I, Jay Cheat is my coach, and he talks sure. a lot about his time of yeah. playing. Who were some of the really great players that you played with and against during that time? I think if I just start with Woodville first, and I mean, that was, you know, they were my heroes after Rexy Johns and that. Um, there's a guy called Bob Simonson. Now, I, I, you know, I've known Bob for 50. I ended up playing with him and, and Ray Huppets. They, they were the two. When you look at the mantelpiece, those two sit squarely on top of it. And Bob Simonson, I, I, I used to go home and emulate Bob when I was nine years of age. Um, kick, he used to kick right foot and left foot. Well, anyone I'd seen prior to that, no one could ever do that. So I'd actually go home. Not that I had a footy, by the way. I'd kick a sock or a rock or anything. So it was just something that you could pick up and kick. So I actually started kicking on my left foot. So I actually became much more natural on my left foot than we probably did my right foot, all because of a guy like him. And he used to take a bit of a specky, you know, and I used to love that. So I'd go home and jump on mum's laundry wall. It was concrete underneath, mate. You learn to balance yourself. <laughs> so I'd just jump as high as I could up the wall. Someone said to me, well, you were born with a spring. I said, no, hang on, hang on, hang on, woo, woo, woo. And this is not being rude, but it's true. I've never seen anyone come out the womb their mother's womb, kicking a footy, marking a footy, handballing a footy, da-da-da-da-da. So it's all learnt behaviour. So, you know, when everyone says to me, oh, he's a natural, no. What 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 mum and dad give you naturally is a bit of, bit of size, maybe a bit of sp uh, speed, and, yeah, that's about it. The rest of it's all learnt behaviour. So they were my heroes at the time, but certainly Ray Huppert's courageous, unbelievably small but tough as nails. Mate, he was genuinely tough and a really good player. When did you get your first approach? You went. You obviously went to North Melbourne. Was there other clubs at the time that were knocking on your door as well after you won them Gary Medal? Yeah, well, in those days, um, I mean, everyone knows about the All-Australian team now and they say, how come Lee Matthews has only got a couple and Kevin Bartlett's only got a couple and bloody you've only got three or something? Well, from 1972, uh, there was a carnival where they pick all the, the, you know, the best teams from each state. And we went to Perth 
and we played a knockout carnival system. So that's where the All Australian F Court Cup. No, 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 no. no. During the, the season. Tim, okay. Yeah. Imagine this: the whole football world in each state, the major states, every state of Australia, stopped. We all hopped on a plane and went and played for South Australia, Victoria, yep. Western Australia, right? So it was called the Carnival, and it used to happen only every three or four years. So you can only ever get an All-Australian in if you're any good yeah. and lucky enough to play in it every three or four years. So that didn't happen again until so seven years, from my ages of 22 to 29 or 30, there was no All-Australians mm-hmm. ever given. So that's the story of that. But however, I was lucky enough to get a gig, and during that game we played Victoria, and uh, I ended up playing full back purely by accident, and made the All-Australian team. It was only one of two South Australians. So that sort of, you were going okay at Woodville, but it sort of kick-started the whole thing. I thought, hang on, who's this bloke? So at the end of that carnival, but I want to answer your question, um, yeah, a few clubs come up and spoke to me, including Ray Huppets, who was a teammate and obviously at Woodville and also a state player. And I remember talking to Footscray at the time, Western Bulldogs. Anyhow, I just got the feeling when I was in the room, they were really after Ray, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I spoke, to, I spoke to a couple of other clubs, but they were really just... And I also spoke to a Perth club, which I, I sort of was interesting, actually, to think, well, maybe, maybe, you know, whatever. Anyhow, so to cut a long story short, North Melbourne, there's a guy called Ron Joseph. Um, they'd won one game that year, at the end of the year. So Ron just was persistent as hell. And um, he, he convinced me that North Melbourne were going to be on this. In fact, you'd almost write the history now for them. It's about the same. One game they've won. And anyhow, there was, you know, they were going to do A, B, C, D and E and, you know, come and join us. So eventually I did. Can I be a little rude here and, and mm. ask what financially they offered you back in... Well, let's put... Uh, yeah, it, it was. I mean, it was... Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing was I'd won the McGarry Medal um, uh, in end of that year. Yes. Uh and I've got less than $1,000. And let's just say you could sort of 10 times your money by going across the border. Now, that wasn't massive. And the, you know, the average wage, it was about 30% of the average wage. Yep. You know, I did a thing the other day at the Adelaide Crows and going through what the, in the last 30 years, the salary, the salary's gone up 426% compared, compared to the average median wage paid in wow. Australia. Jeez. That's football. I did some numbers. It's amazing. So, yeah, it wasn't great, but it was good. It was better than not doing it. <laughs> in terms of the, the quality of football from Sanford to VFL, how was that comparable back then? Yeah, look, I mean, Jimmy, it's, it's a simple numbers game. Victoria had four times the population. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't – it is very difficult to say Robin and Ebert wouldn't get a kick. Now, you know, Russell did come to Melbourne and had a reasonable year. Not a great year, reasonable year. And at an older age. But – you got four times as many choices. So I think the really great ones would be great anywhere. What actually happened, they batted way down. So if the 10th best player in the Sandful was, you know, eight out of 10, there's probably still nine in Melbourne, you know. And, and you, got, you can't decry what happened because until you actually live that system and understand how hard it is by swapping states and all that sort of stuff. So, I'm, you know, I'm always mindful of the South Australian. If, they, if a lot of those blokes came and went to the Victoria at the time, I'm sure they would have been better because you train better, you train harder, you learn to be more competitive. So there's lots of all those other things. It's just it's just hard to say, well, that wasn't that or that was that. Did it, did it feel to you that it took you a year or so to be relatively successful at North Melbourne or because they started off as a relatively unsuccessful club when you went there, you sort of slotted in quite nicely? 
Um, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people think that uh, I was a bit slow to start with. Well, I was. It's hard in hospital. You know, I found it. I just found it hard in hospital to actually to get a lot of kicks. You know, I mean, I had uh, injured, injured. You know, injured. Anyway, I finally got. I got two. I remember clearly about round seven or eight. I got two best on grounds. I'd finally got going because I'd run twenty k's. This is no. This this is one of the really good stories. Is that the first game I didn't get clear. Woodville didn't clear me, which is fair enough. You used to debate, and in the end, it cost them fifty thousand dollars. North Melbourne to get my clearance back oh, wow. then, back in 1970. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, mate, add that up now. That's probably million, you know? Yeah. Anyhow, so what actually happened was the first game they didn't clear me. And so I actually, and the Sunday after, Brass used to, if you won, Brass was the easiest bloke to get on the well with. And if you, if you lost, you just flog. Anyhow, this is a flog, a 20K flog on the roads around Melbourne, Jeez. Sunday morning running after blokes playing. Well, I didn't play. So I started off pretty fresh. <laughs> Anyhow, cut a long story short, I, I, I chafed, mate. Four Ks was my go. You know, 20 Ks, I just hadn't done that before. You know, I didn't, I couldn't think that 20 K. Anyhow, in the end, I started running wrong. Anyhow, my bloody calf at the end of it was like a knife. So I remember my wife, Patsy, just putting ice foamets on it, in the old ice and just trying to get it going. And anyhow, so I played the following week and I got the vote on the front of the Herald Sun, or as it was called then, the Sun. I got three votes in my first ever game. So against the Bulldogs at Arden Street. So, so all the all the bad talk about South Australians that couldn't play. There's only five or six over there at yep. the time, Jimmy. And you know, South Australia had a really rotten name because they said, "Well, no one here can play," which yep. is silly, of course. But anyhow, so then I played, misplayed, misplayed, miss, and then I finally got going. And then I, don't know, I got glandular fever. So I got really, really crook. So I missed the last six or eight weeks of the season. So it was, you know, it was one of those that, you know, at some stage or rather you had some highs, but then, as I said, it's hard to get a kick in the hospital bed. Live on SENSA, welcome to Eagles Radio. For Norma's homes, build a better life. And My Money House, get a financial health check. Visit mymoneyhouse.com.au today. Welcome back to the Best of Eagles Radio. It's the second quarter and we've got more of our interview with Malcolm Blight. Great chat with a great man, a legend of the game. Bonds, you've tasked me with the first question and I've got numerous to ask, <laughs> Blighty. Uh, I know we only have um, a little bit of time left with you, mate. But I guess we're sort of at your, your North Melbourne days. Can you talk us through, I guess, try to summarise that little period there, some highlights during that time, some fantastic players, some fantastic games you played in. I know there was obviously a lot you went through during that time. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think the, the bottom line is we, we played in five grand finals in a row, which is fairly handy. Obviously, a coach called Barassi and a lot of great players. And I think one of the interesting things was in 1975, this is, um, I learned a bit about footy. Um, I also played my first state game for Victoria. So that was in my second year. I actually... I missed hospitals that year, and we ended up playing in the grand final, won the following year, uh, that year. But halfway through the year, or early in the year, I was playing centre-half back. You know, I played every spot on the ground bar first ruck. Every week I was somewhere different. But anyhow, um, we lost our first four games. And um, so we had a meeting, just the players, Barassi, the coach, and the, and the president, Alan Aylett, the great Alan Aylett. Anyhow. What had happened, there'd been some, you know, the old locker room talk, Brass is starting to lose it. All he did was look at mistakes and he coached on mistakes. So the whole thing is negative, negative, negative. Anyhow, that was the way it was done then. So 
Alan Aylitz got up in front. He said, just the players, 40-odd, 50 players. He said, see this bloke here? He's coaching us. If any of you want to talk about it and don't like it, you can piss off now. I'll give you a check right now. You come up. You have the guts to stand up here, walk up to me. I will pay you a check. He had his checkbook. I will pay you what we owe you and get out of the town, right? Well, of course, any player going to do that? Of course not. You just, mate, this is like, this is what footy is about. This is perhaps what we missed at Woodville, you know, because we were a young club. I mean, that somewhere along the line, something just affects you. And from that day onwards, I thought, well, hang on, there's only one way this is going to go, right? Either you're going to put your head down and ask something, shut up, or you're going to get out of town. So, I mean, I think the whole team just said, well, this is this is unbending. This is called administration at its very best. I'd never seen it before. You'd seen it now. That stuck with me through my whole rest of my coaching playing career that you take control of your own life and the people around you actually try and help you through it. So it was it was a poignant moment for me. And as it turned out, North Melbourne won their first ever premiership after 50 years in the competition. So was it that one thing? No, of course not. There were a lot of good players. Yeah. The only way you win is a lot of good players. But it was, oh, hey, oh, let's, not, let's not muck around with this now. So it was really poignant. When did the idea of coaching first come in your head? Ah, you obviously, yeah. obviously took over from Barras when he, yeah. when he uh, yeah. got sacked. But, yeah, when, when did, was that sort of building yes, it as was. your career went on? Yeah, what actually happened was we've, we're so lucky. A guy called Ron Casey used to run World of Sport in Channel 7 and a guy called Gary Fenton. He's offside. He's second in charge. We're both North Melbourne supporters, mad North Melbourne board. And Ron ended up coming on the board. So what actually happened was we, we had a bit of an advantage, I think. You know, in the old days, there was the three-quarter tape. Like now you've got a CD or, what, you know, VDVD or whatever. But So we you'd only get three games televised in Melbourne in those days out of the six. So because North Melbourne was a big-ticket item, we used to get a lot of games. So we would go to the Channel 7 studio on a Thursday night, go and have a meal there, and then Brass would show clips of what we usually stuffed up. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, but I was, I was taken by, ah, oh, you can actually coach with eyes. And actually, I, I was starting to play with my eyes, which is a whole different thing. Most people try and play with their brains, but you actually play with your eyes because your brain takes over. As soon as your brain takes over, your eyes miss out. So it says, you know, I can't get a kick, I can't get a kick. Well, no, hang on, if you keep your eyes, ah, it's gone to Jimmy, it's gone to Paul, it's gone to Blighty, da-da-da-da. So you actually play with your eyes. Anyhow, so I started coaching, looking at the game with my eyes, and I was fascinated by this medium called looking back and playing back. So, and, and to actually take that story a fraction further, during my Geelong coaching days, I actually got a camera behind the goals well before anyone ever heard about it. And one day, a guy called Barry Stoneham, who was a great player for us, gave someone a little punch. And, of course, the AFL knew that we had that camera. And I said, look, it, it broke down, mate. We didn't have it for that day. <laughs> so, so, so they actually banned us from using a camera. So I went down the other end and got a kid to do it. And then it became part of folklore now. But it was actually, we started, I started it at Geelong. I wanted to see the movement uh, from behind the ball. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Take you back a couple of years to the 1977 gran- granny. Yeah. Um, obviously, famously started in the middle, got moved forward after quarter time, and then benched at three quarter time. Yeah. I find this story fascinating because you go on to win the Brownlow the following year, the best and fairest. You're yeah. Leading goal kicker for the club. Can you talk me through that specific moment and your recollections of that? Yeah. Look, what had happened once again, I mean, Brass was just devilish on errors. Um, and in the first quarter, I was, I was actually like raving. So, and I thought, oh, beauty! You know, I'm not forward pocket. I'm not half back flank. I'm not full back. I'm not bloody wing. I played it anyhow. 
So I, I got a kick early in the game, and I have never seen it back, actually. I just remember I, I bloody hooked it back too much. Normally, I'd have a shot for goal. <laughs> Stupid. Anyhow, yeah, Collingwood player got it. Bounce, 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 and they kicked a goal. Well, the next, you know, the runner, the runner just sat on my lap for the next three minutes, you know, 13 minutes, belting me. And at quarter time, he's coming in and said, Yeah, buddy, yeah, buddy, kick, go to the forward pockets, man, you know. Anyhow, so I've gone from there on the ball to forward pocket. Collingwood kicked six goals to nil in the next half of footy. Now, forward pocket, you know what it's like, Jimmy. She's tough not, spot. Yeah, she's not tough. Graveyard shift, they call yeah, it. Yeah. And, and if it's not coming down, yeah. and I, and I, so I just got, I got marooned. Anyhow, three quarter time, you're down. Anyhow, he said, uh, Johnny Byrne, who was a really good player for us, he, he wasn't having a great day as a ruck rover. So he said, Byrne, you get off, you're useless, blight, you go back and do your tricks or whatever he said. And anyhow, I said, well, bad luck, Johnny, but you're beauty, <laughs> you know. Anyhow, we walked away from the huddle. He said, nah, bugger it, blight, you're off. So that was it. It was, I mean, it was as cold and as calculating as that. And that's fine. I mean, I had to cop it. I did. Anyhow, we drew the game. Now, the following week, there was a lot of talk whether three of us would be in and all that sort of stuff. Anyhow, the, the net result is, I think I had 27 touches, kicked two goals and set four up in the grand final. And a lot of places got best, second best, third, you know, so I got the votes, sort of. Anyhow, so after the, after the game, Brassie rang me up on the Monday. And when I got best on ground in the Herald Sun, you know, which is the biggest paper in town, and 3AW, the biggest radio station... He rang, he said, oh, I think I've made a mistake with you. <laughs> this is, this is not, he said, I, I didn't even give you a vote the best and fairest. Now, for him to say that's bloody honest. For him to be that wrong is terrible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, anyhow, he said, well, I'm, I'm going to make it up to you. So, I ended up going out and had a few lunches with him. We went to the Australian Open tennis when it was played at Kiyonga. <laughs> Mate, I went across to Tassie, met his mum. and I, I mean, I, from that, I won the brown light on my ear because he, he just got off your back. Do you know what I mean? So that's a long way a story, but it wasn't until you got best in the grand final that he actually started talking properly to you. It was amazing. You came back and, and yeah. was playing coach at Woodville? Yep. Um, was that just an instant thing for you? Yes, I want to go back home yep. to South Australia. I want to coach my club. Yeah. Well, at North Melbourne, you know, I'd done everything, you know, fortunately, uh, as you know, Brownlow's and I kicked 100 goals. I just finished kicking 100 goals and we played in a final series. And I just, I really wanted a coach, you know, because of what had happened. It didn't last as the last playing coach in the competition, the VFL. And I thought, well, what's the worst footy club I can go to? It just happened to be my home club. And <laughs> who'd also won one game. So it was, and I thought, no, if I'm going to coach, and I do have the passion to do it, if, if you know, if I'm going to do it, I want to go back to the worst club in Australia, senior club, which happened to be my own club, which obviously I could buy into, of course. So it was really a passion to return and, and give something back to the club. And, and eventually, after a lot of weeding out, because you don't win one game with good players. You don't win one game with good players. So you had to go through a whole system and... I guess do a lot of recruiting and also play some kids. So, and you learnt that coaching, you know, I was mad as a meat axe then. You know, I could yell as anyone. But also I started teaching and coaching is about eyes I mentioned earlier and also technique. So I actually started adding technique to the coaching rather than just, stru I mean, structure's easy. You play here, here and here. I mean, I can do that blindfolded. But to actually help, uh, Jimmy, look, he's beat you twice on that side. Why don't you swap sides, get on the other side of him? So you actually started talking at technique in the game and, and all that sort of stuff, so, which I really, really enjoyed. And from the playing, coaching side of things, is 
I put myself in that position now and think I could not do that. Oh. Well, a, particularly if I'm playing a poor game. Yeah. Um, how'd you find that? Uh, <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, at Woodville, it was it was probably, and this is, sounds funny, but it was easier because I was older. Mm-hmm. Now, I was appointed coach at North Melbourne at 30 years of age, and you're playing with some of the greats of all time. So, you know, it, it was difficult because and we had so many injuries, you know, and that's why I opted out. I had a chance to stay, but I opted out. I thought, this ain't working. And it happened at the Richmond. I, MCG, we were playing Richmond. It was a true story. I kicked four goals, eight for the day, would you believe and after the game, we played two first gamers. And as going around the room, and, you know, pretty sane and sensible, I just said to, you know, just say, John, John, we're just going to spend some time on your kicking. And, and Fred, we're going to have to spend some time on your kicking. And I've just kicked four goals eight as, a, as, a, as the guru. I, I, and I could, yeah. And I'd, I went, oh, hang on. I think the world's changing. It had changed. Yeah, there were a lot of playing coaches up to me, and then no one ever did it after because the, you could see the questioning from the players. In the old days, you run through that wall. But, but education was changing, sport was changing, dollars was coming into the game. So it was a whole different approach to coaching. So that was the end of that. Fantastic. Malcolm, again, we, it just, we just could, could be here for hours and hours, but uh, we do appreciate your time. And we also thank BCE and CJ Electrical. For all your electrical needs, make sure you call them up. Uh, they are great supporters of the Woodville West Orange Footy Club for more than 10 years. And uh, Malcolm, thanks again for being on Eagles Radio. It's been fantastic having you as a guest. Paul and Jimmy, Jimmy, good luck too. Two in a row, three in a row, mate. Be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've said over the years, I've said one's great, one premiership's great, two, you freaks, three's a bloody miracle. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, good on you, mate. It'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be great. (laughs) Live on SENSA, welcome to Eagles Radio. For Normous Homes, build a better life and My Money House. Get a financial health check. Visit mymoneyhouse.com.au today. Welcome back to the best of Eagles radio. It's the third quarter. Great chat with Blighty. Just love talking footy with him. And now we catch up with Joe Sinor, one of the legends of the club on the verge of his 100th game. We've got your co-milestone man on the line, Joe Sinor, 100 games as well. Welcome to Eagles Radio. G'day, Bonds. G'day, Tom. Thanks for having me. Now, get, before we get into you and talk a lot about you and Jimmy together, uh, what are your thoughts on Saturday's game and, and where it didn't go quite right? Yeah, I was hoping you didn't ask that question. <laughs> Sorry, mate. But, no, uh... Straight off. Get the bad one out of the way. Rip the <laughs> nah, Band-Aid that's off. It, that's it. Nah, yeah, it was obviously, yeah, really disappointing. Um yeah, Central's Central, uh, full credit to Central. They just come out and um, were too good for us on the day. We we come off the bye, and I think we were just in holiday mode a little bit, to be honest. We we didn't come to play, and I think if you um, it just shows the, the competition. If you don't show up mentally and physically to to play a good brand of footy, um, doesn't matter who you play, you you'll get beaten. So um, yeah, Central's were too good. They outworked us, and um, we were poor in, in most areas of the ground. Um, so, yeah, we'll look at that and hopefully fix that. We will fix that this week, I guess, yeah. Mate, 100 games and, I mean, we're sharing the milestone together, so it is pretty special, mate. But I know what the club means to you. Um, how much does it mean to you right now to, to play 100 games and represent the footy club from a league point of view? Yeah, Jim, it's massive. I'm absolutely honoured to share it with you as it is. But, um, yeah, it's not something to... I think, it, yeah, it took me a long time to um, 
probably establish myself as a league footballer at the club as it is. So I'm, um, yeah, incredibly grateful for um, to be able to play 100 games at, at the footy club. I mean, I think the, it took me six years to get 50 games and then it's taken me about two and a half to get the other 50. So, um, yeah, it means a lot. Uh, I mean, I was always a an Eagles um, fan growing up, so I, I watched a lot of great players come before me. So I always sort of just, um, yeah, want to just hang in there and, and make a career and try and get the best out of myself. And, um, yeah, to play 100 games is, is, yeah, is awesome and something I look back on when uh, when the career's over, I think. Um, 100 games, you're at 99 at the moment. Out of those 99, <laughs> and uh, other than the two grand finals, because Bond's asked me the same question and they're, they're easy to defer yeah. to, do you have any yeah. really special memories within those 99 games that you played so far? I think there's one game that stands out to me just off the top of my head. Um, as soon as you ask that, is I think it was a, it was a bit of a game which was a um, line in the sand for the club. I reckon it was 2020 in the, our prelim final against South Adelaide. Um, we'd come off a tough loss against North, North Adelaide the week before in the semi, um, and we were yeah it was it was back against the wall sort of stuff. We we lost a lot of finals and have been known as uh, bridesmaids and all the rest of it. And, and you hear the noise, but um, yeah, that was a massive game for the club um, to sort of shape, I suppose, the new era of, of Sheeds and what he was bringing to the club. And I just remember some of the, um, the pre-game talks we had from Sheeds during the week and, and from Sicker, um, who was our runner that, that year. And it was, um, yeah, it was incredible, <laughs> the amount of passion that was coming out from all the all the yeah sicker and, and sheeds and we got up for that game and we didn't start too well either but um i think we ended up winning by about six or seven goals and it gave us some real momentum um going into into the grand final which obviously um played out how it did but that was the game i think that sort of turned a lot of um a lot of even supporters not just players it sort of gave everyone at the footy club a lot of confidence that um you know we are a great club and, and we can win finals. So that's the one to me. That's a one. I remember that game so vividly as well. Rowie kicked the first two or three goals in that third yeah, quarter and almost got us five, over the yeah. line. And I remember just looking from a five and before I came back to the Eagles from Port Adelaide and there was all, obviously always that, always that noise around Eagles mm. and not winning finals. And I reckon you're right. We won that game and I think we went into that granny with so much confidence. And even though, we got off to a slow start in the granny and, and footy dragged us over the line in that second quarter. We went in yeah. almost knowing that we're probably going to win that game. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, as I said, it just it just gave us a um, just so much confidence. And yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think it was just because of the loss the week before, how bad that was. And we, and we were pretty poor. as uh, We played poorly as well. And um, I think it's full credit to Sheeds. I, I just remember him. He gave us a motto that week. I think it was around John Farnham and his song "Playing to Win." I think that I could be wrong, but it was, the, the motto was, "Yeah, the motto was playing to win." And he just drummed that into us basically from from that loss onwards. And um, yeah, it was it sort of got us going. I think. So obviously, we need to get playing to win over the PA at, uh, at Montague. <laughs> yeah, it would work. Just uh, let that fly out every now and again. That's that's a great story. I, I, during that story, I'm thinking back as well because I was calling the game. Um, that second quarter of the 2020 Grand Final was some of the best football 
I think the Eagles have played, maybe in the history, both you guys, I'd like to know what your memories are of that second quarter. Because it, it was like we had their own, you know, the Eagles had their own footy and they, they weren't going to let anyone touch it. You go first, Joey. All right, I'll go. Yeah, I, the, what I remember the second quarter is Jared Redden um, starting in the centre square. So he started in the centre square for oh, every game that year, but um, she'd started Jack Hayes in uh, the centre square the first quarter. And I think that sort of ate away at Redo a fair bit. So when he got his crack at the start of the second quarter, I was playing on ball, and I was luckily just getting it off his hand, which was, which was going at all angles. So he was just telling us where to run, what to do, and he just said, just get there and I'll put it there. And he really got us going. And obviously footy had a ridiculous quarter, but I think off the back of what Redo was able to do, uh, probably gone underrated a lot, so... Um, but yeah, it was. I just jumped on for the ride. Really, it was a couple of individual efforts um, that yeah got us going. Mate, you, you said you'd try and cover someone, and usually when I'm down back and you are as well, I'm often not covering someone. So to give Joey some <laughs> credit, he defends two people, and one of them's usually my man. Um, I've just seen on the screen here, mate. The Crows have popped up in the news, and they had a obviously a, a, a rough loss on the weekend, and. To a lot of our supporters that don't know, you're obviously a massive Crows nuffy. Um, do you want to talk <laughs> us through the game on the weekend and, and a little bit about your brilliant podcast that is going up the rankings uh, online? I'm absolutely pumped you've mentioned this because the boys were all texting me saying, make sure you give us a plug. I said, oh, well, hopefully Jimmy asked me. So, yeah, I don't have to say too much. All I have to say is if you want to have a listen, tune in to the Arc Up podcast. Uh, it's on all your all your apps. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, no, nah, it's just me and my brother and a couple of mates. We just uh, talk a bit of trash and, and have a bit of fun with it. But, no, nah, it's good fun. And thanks for mentioning it, Tom. <laughs> and what about, what about the game on the weekend? Uh, against Gold Coast? Yep. Yeah, look, it wasn't great, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, it's hard for me to say anything after the way we played. So I sort of think, you know, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's we're rebuilding. It's going to take time, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it move along a little bit quicker, Jim. <laughs> and that's the Arc Up podcast <laughs> with, <laughs> that's it. with Joe um, I can't wait to have a listen. Fantastic, mate. It's been a great chat, and we uh, appreciate you being on for such a long time. And uh, we'll let you go back to your family now, and uh, best of luck on the weekend against West Adelaide. Uh, pleasure, lads. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Live on SENSA, welcome to Eagles Radio. For enormous homes, build a better life, and My Money House, get a financial health check. Visit mymoneyhouse.com.au today. Welcome back to the best of Eagles Radio. We're into the last quarter, and now a man who helped build the culture of the Eagles. Premiership player, Stephen Hall. We've got an icon. Can't wait. The great man on the phone, the legend that is Stephen Hall about to talk to us. All thanks to BCE and CJ Electrical, proud partners of the Woodville West Torrens Football Club. Stephen Hall, welcome to Eagles Radio. Hey, fellas. Great to be on. Mate, uh, look, we just quickly gloss over your resume. 191 games. Uh, 97 club championship, three state games, and 2011 premiership assistant coach as well. And as Tump said earlier in the show, you are an icon of the club, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Now, you were born in Brisbane. How did you end up becoming a footballer if you are born in Brisbane? 
Uh, no, I was uh, I was actually born in Penrith, New South Wales. My old man, he was in the Air Force, so I, I travelled everywhere. Right. Uh, finished in finished in Brisbane, and then uh, Phil Harper, who's at, at the Adelaide Crows now, he was uh, he was originally from Queensland as well. So he uh, he got four of us Queensland guys over to uh, over to the Eagles uh, when he was the general manager there in uh, 1996. So that's how we uh, that's how I ended up uh, at the Eagles. So you didn't play footy in Queensland at all, or? I did. I was play. I was playing there. I actually um, started playing footy. I was uh, when we were living in Sale in Victoria when we were when my dad was posted there for uh, when I was about nine years old, eight years old. So I started playing footy there, and then we sort of moved uh, into New South Wales and Canberra. Um, but I uh, fell in love with footy because I, you know, I was in Sale when I was nine years old and. Started playing there and loved the game, and then when we moved to the northern states, uh, you know, I just preferred uh, Aussie rules over over rugby league. So, yeah, and then um, yeah, like I said, ended up uh, at the Eagles uh, 1996 under under Harps. And you, you alluded to Hawley, I guess, the success that we've had as a footy club over such a long period of time, mate. And and you sort of joined the club at the initial, the infancy stages of that. Could you feel? I mean, the club setting itself up for that success with, you know, some of the key players that you were playing with at that time? Yeah, absolutely. I think there was some, you know, some great guys uh, around the footy club when I first got there in 96, guys like Andrew Rogers, um, Andrew Page, Nick Pesh, um, Scotty Morford. There's some great players there. And, um, you know, I think the, I think my first few years, maybe, um, you know, perhaps, you know, looking forward, to when Mark Micken got there, we were perhaps maybe just a little bit unprofessional um, in, in a few areas, and then it's probably the same as all clubs. But then uh, at that at that time, but when Mark Micken got to the footy club, uh, which was 1998, he um, he made some big decisions. Uh, got you know asked a few few guys who had played a lot of footy for the club that you know if they couldn't commit to pre-season training and and working super hard that. They'd have to move on, um, which happened to a few guys. And '98 was a pretty, pretty poor year because we lost about 10 really good good players. But um, Mark Mitchin sort of uh, set the standards of what was required uh, from the Eagles Footy Club. And I think from as soon as he stepped foot into the door, uh, the club's just gone from strength to strength. So I mean, I know a lot of us guys that were involved in that year. Um, you know, we thank Mark Mitchin a lot because we think he was a he was a person who's who's created the culture of um, of the footy club and and how it's sort of you know gone over the last twenty years or so. Now you joined the club, uh, uh, and you mentioned you mentioned how basically it was the start of something great. Um, and I just want to we've got a text from Pally just before we came on air as well, uh, Luke Powell, our illustrious leader. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is just for you. He considers you one of the best club men he's played with and the catalyst to why the club culture is as good as it is. And uh, he he said you were one of the main drivers behind that. What does that mean to you coming from Pauly? Oh, it means a hell of a lot. Um, you know, I think, I, you know, Pauly's a, an awesome an awesome mate of mine and, uh, you know, he's done... he's done a lot more for the footy club than what I have, but, you know, that means a lot. Um, but, you know, I was... You know, I was one of um, one of many that um, you know hopefully played their part in in uh, in the footy club um, being where it is at the moment. Um, you know, I think I think it's important that um, each uh, each generation is able to 
pass something on to the younger guys coming through and if you can if you can set good standards and and uh and and do things the right way when you're at training and and uh the way you handle yourself around the footy club and you know being really passionate as well being really passionate about the footy club and you sort of notice oh, i mean i'm I'm biased absolutely probably a lot of people say this about their footy club but you can see the way that the boys play um you know, just uh, on on the weekends, just you know, just away with the tackling pressure, and and that's something that um, the Eagles have been really good at. Uh, tackling pressure and contested footy, um, you can just see that the that the passion's there, and it's something that we've um, always had, and it's not something that um, you know happens. Um, you know, two out of every three weeks, it happens all the time. So you know, so yeah, if I played a, a small part in that, then then that's fantastic. I think you played more than a small part in that, Holly. I do remember um, 2011 when I first started playing footy, mate, and you were definitely one of the, and I, although you weren't obviously a teammate of mine at the time, but yeah. yourself and Powley and the Sickers sort of set the tone and, and we were to adopt that tone. And I think that's sort of how we play our footy now and Sheeds loves to allude to our past players and the way they went about it, mate. So it's, um, it is a testament yeah, to, to yourself and some of the stuff you and your teammates did. And, and on some of your teammates, mate, and, and you sort of touched on some of them just now, who are some of the best players? Um, I love asking this question to some of our past players. Who yeah. are some of the best players you've played with um, through your time at the Eags? Oh, look, um, yeah, I've, I've played with some fantastic... You know, we always sort of talk about... Um, always sort of comes up um, over... Over a few uh, over a few beers, you know, about uh, the best players that you played with. Um, you know, I think I think um, you know Mark McKenzie was, you know, and and I've told sick of this, so <laughs> he won't be offended. But <laughs> Sicker wholeheartedly agrees. He, if anyone says he is the best, then he was the best. Anyway, look, Mark McKenzie was the best player I played with. He was he was the best midfielder in the comp um, for. Uh, uh, you know, five or six years, and then I remember we we sort of lacked a key defender at centre half back there for a, a few years, and so we had to be, so he had to go back to centre half back, and then he ended up like within a few games, he was the best centre half back in the comp, played state footy at centre half back, and then finished his career in a half back flank, and he was the best half back flanker in the comp. I think he might have played maybe eleven or twelve years, won five best and fairest. Um, you know, he, he was uh, he was. A pretty special player, um, yeah. Able to play um, anywhere. So, and then obviously Sicker was, uh, yeah, Sicker was, you know, not far off Macca. He's an outstanding player. Um, you know, racked up the possessions. Uh, like highly, highly passionate about the Eagles Footy Club. I think, uh, I think he might have me and everyone else in, in that regard. So, yeah, so guys like that, Gav Colville, um, you know, a fantastic player, Andrew Rogers. Um, yeah, so I've played, I've been fortunate enough. And then, you know, guys that you play with just for a year or two before they get drafted, like Matty Pavlich was, you know, an amazing player for a year or so. And Brett Burton and Jamie Tate coming back for a couple of years from the AFL, he was special. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, very fortunate. Um, I think I have missed out on one there, but anyway, one of the top five. Some good names there, though. <laughs> it's not a bad list. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening to the Best of Eagles Radio. And don't forget, we'll be back here every Tuesday night, 5.30 on SENSA.